You are listening to the Lighter Side Show audio podcast with Jamie Butler, the everyday medium, produced by the Lighter Side Network. Visit and subscribe to thelightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes exploring wholeness living, energy work, trans channeling, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Hi, Lumineers. Welcome to the Lighter Side Show. I'm your host, Jamie Butler, the everyday medium. And today we have in studio Colleen Ziegler. Hello. Yay. And Brandon Knight. Hi, everybody. Yes, from the Modern Mystic Shop. We're going to be talking about understanding ritual. But before we dive into that, I do have some housekeeping notes. Of course, we have Luma Summit approaching October 19th through the 21st here in Atlanta, Georgia at the Center for Love and Light. Tickets are on sale at jamiebutlermedium.com. Head over there, and while you're there, sign up for the newsletter, guys. That's where Colleen organizes all the classes, our Learn It Live online classes, our workshops, our travel, our Luma Summit. Everything is organized. You guys have been so incredible in wanting us to do more and go more places. So if you'd like to keep up to date with us, please sign up for the newsletter. But I'm thoroughly excited for Luma Summit. Oh, so excited. Yay, I feel like it needs its own theme song. It does. Oh, can we? Jesse? <laughs> think we can make some theme song music for Luma Summit? Yeah, Colleen, let's drop some beats right now. Well, I don't know about right now, but maybe <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> well, what's great about it is we have male speakers. We do. Well, and one of them is second. sitting with us right now. Yes. That's why it's great. Brandon Knight. Yay. Yay. I don't even know how to introduce you. There are so many things I know about you and that I've experienced That's around cool. you. I would say, I don't know. I think the words would not do it justice. How yeah. do you describe yourself? Gosh, I'm just me, I guess. Yeah. I, it's... Um, I would describe myself as someone who, um, who's just engaged in helping people claim their birthrights, you know, helping us understand the core nature of who we are and, uh, using that to transform everything in your life, you know, because, uh, that's phenomenal. The, um, the society at large teaches us that we really don't have a birthright or, or, you know, that we, the concept of that and the concept of of a lineage and a heritage for what humanity actually is, is kind of lost. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the business of reconnecting people to that. Do you feel like you came here with that mission? Like you, you were born with that mission or it's something you evolved into? I, you know, I think it's a combination of both. I think that we all have karmic ties and, and, and fate tied to who we are. Uh, but there is a commission to make fate destiny. I think for all of us, you know, fate is like yogis would say, some of the yogis I've, I've studied under, they would say that 80% of your life is fate, right? The stars you're born under, um, uh, the lessons you came in to learn, all that stuff, the kind of contracts you had before you were born, you know, as a soul and, and those kind of things. And what just how the universe works in general. And then you have 20% actual choice. And 10% of that 20% is how you were raised. And your response to it. So you actually only have 10% real choice, right? And so the the challenge is to take fate and make it destiny, something that you actually have some control over. And I've always been taught by some of the people I've sat under that you do that through a sound spiritual practice that actually has effectiveness and legs in your life to unwind the being. 
Is this where you stepped into ritual? Does that help you succeed? Yes, that's the best way to do it solo, I've found. Let, let's say this. So none of us are an island unto, them, unto ourselves, right? And so we, we were meant to heal in, in a village-type setting because that's how we always were. Yes. We're born, raised, yes. and, and who we are. Like community is, is a part of our psyche. It's a part of our mm-hmm. being. And so um, healing in a community is what it's all about, right? But you do have your own personal life, like your inward being and how you are with that and how that unwinds and what do you do in the recesses of your life that drives and pushes it forward outside of, of, you can't be, you know, in a healing atmosphere with the community all the time. And so what does the practice look like? What should it look like that has the most effectiveness for unwinding the being for really getting in there and starting to um, propel the energy of transformation forward in your life and you claiming your birthright more? And so I, ritual is one of those things that I found outside of community that helps me with my, my personal life and my inward journey. Does right. practice and ritual for you, are they interchangeable? For the most part. Um, I, so there's, there's several different ways to unwind the being. You know, there's all kinds of practices out there. There's Kundalini Yoga. There's Gestalt Therapy. There's you know, um, experiential psychology. There's, there's so many different ways you can approach things. Um, but I have found in the psychology of things and in the essence of who we are, right? Ritual takes up a very large space and it is something that is, um, it's something that's neglected that nobody really knows about. And that's a shame because it's a part of our lineage, like our very DNA Mm -hmm. as human beings. That's the reason why the Catholic church really harped on it you know, and, and got on top of that. And they borrowed it from the paganistic side of, of culture because a long time ago, our ancestors had this part down, right? They were like, hey, you know what? We understand ritual. Mm-hmm. That so, is, I, I was going to ask you, what at what point do you think people backed away from ritual? Mm-hmm. Because I hear so many people, even lumineers, just mm-hmm. average people as well, talk about ritual as being something non-effective, controlling them. They have to push away from it. Or I've even heard because they're associating it with the church. I Is think so. Or like they're they have like an indoctrinated belief around what ritual is i mean that's what i grew up catholic and that's the one thing i still love about the church is the ritual and the incense and the swinging Mm -hmm. and the the candle lighting all of that i that resonates with me so much and you know me catholic people i talk to that that's what they miss about their religion is Mm -hmm. is the ritual part of it and they don't know where to take it now or what to do i mean let's discuss that a little bit at least i'll say this we don't have to discuss it but uh it's we are programmed individuals like i'm kind of alluded to it with fate and with destiny and all that stuff. Um, but I, so I did a practice in, in my course that I do with people where I, um, I take people on, you know, self transformation journeys and whatnot that are six weeks long and they can choose to extend it or whatever it may be. And, and in one of the, the courses, the, the, the group meetings that we have, I pass around a sheet of paper with a little individual on it. And I said, write down one influence that you know of that affects a, a person yourself, a person in general, society at large. And each one of them wrote down um, one thing on mm-hmm. that sheet of paper, mm-hmm. but each one of them admitted they could have wrote down 10 apiece, and they would have all yeah. probably been different, mm-hmm. right? And so we are an influenced and really programmed individual in this culture. Like that's that's a really big thing, and church is the air we breathe, so it doesn't matter if you're born a pagan mm-hmm. in our culture. 
it's still part of the lens you have to look through because Christianity is so pervasive and mm-hmm. religion and the church in general is so pervasive, at least in the West. You know, it's such a huge ordeal. So that's going to seep into your very being. Oh, absolutely. That's something you have to deal with. Yeah, you know. yeah. Even with all of your experience mm-hmm. and everything that you know, would you still have something to write on that piece of paper as an influencer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Oh, man. It, well, see, it, it, goes, it goes deeper than, than what we can comprehend. So say, for instance, or what we can imagine, let's say that. We, we can comprehend it. We just It's hard to imagine on a... On a on an interesting scale. So say for instance, um, uh, when, so we live in a patriarchy, right? Right. And not to get too binary with, with our understanding of sexuality or, or gender, but we live in a patriarchy where locker room talk is a really, has been a really big thing for years, right? The mm-hmm. man is lauded. And I mean, I'm, I'm a white male, so I'm top of the heap. Right. But in every culture where you're African American or whether you're, you're Asian or whatever it may be, men dominate, the the sense of value and that's shown right in our psyches and how we unfold so say for instance in society what's the first thing you're told go get a job yeah you know go earn money you got to have security around money and what is that that's an outward father movement right that's a male movement and it's lauded it's so important but what is the most important movement to have first before that that informs it it's the inward journey Right. And that's a female movement. That is an inward mother movement. Right. And so that's something that that unfolds the compass. That's something that unfolds your sense of identity and self and and your sense of spirit. Right. And that is what allows you to have the intuition on board and guide the life and informs the vision for what an outward movement looks like. But it's so devalued that we don't look at it at all. Right. And if somebody starts to do that, Mm -hmm. then we look down on them. We're like, oh, well, that person's just an artist. You're never going to make any money. Or that person is having a spiritual journey before they ever get a, uh, a um, what is it, a, um, what they decide to do in college. Or, you know, they're going to take a few years off between high school and college and find themselves. Well, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, like. Well, and looking, <laughs> what you're saying, I think it's such a beautiful thing when you do go through that at a young age, because a lot of people of don't end up doing it until later, whether it's through, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of midlife crisis or, um, but it comes later in life. Mm-hmm. So the ones that go through it early. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And see, beautiful. that's what I'm saying, though. It, that influence is still with me, regardless of how much I've unwound. And that's what I was speaking to. Like, no matter how much I unwind, those those subconscious mm-hmm. influences, I still have to overcome that. On now, I've I've worked on it for so long, right, and been aware of it, and so conscious of, of major influences like like that for so long. Said mm-hmm. of teachers, where it doesn't have as much influence as it used to, and doesn't run my life like it used to, but it's still there, and it's still something that unwinds and ritual and everything else that we do. But this is so good to hear because many people believe that once you learn something, then you're good to go. Like, <laughs> check that box. Now I'm going to move on to this next thing, and we're good. I've done that work. Absolutely not. I love the smile on your There's, face right now. It's not I, I did the work. It's I do the work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. I yeah. do this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do yeah. So this work. So I wanted work. to bring that forward. Yeah. It's so beautiful that you... Yeah. You share that with us. Well, that's the whole point of ritual, right? The whole point of ritual is to keep you in the the energy of transformation and change because you step out of it so much without staying on top of it. If you don't have a daily practice, 
if you don't have um, a daily ritual that that guides you, that really unwinds you, has like I said, has legs and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. You can have, I'm going to do this breathing routine or whatever, you know. Does and, my cup of coffee count? <laughs> no. <laughs> Gosh, I Brandon, I <laughs> I'm going to say brushing my. It's teeth very counts spiritual for me. experience for me. <laughs> it's whole like you create that space for it, right? You you hold it, you sit with the coffee, right. you kind of meditate with it. That could. It's probably as effective as brushing my hair. I'm bald. (laughs) Going back to something you said that kind of hit me and and made me think for a second, and it's something very simple, is how ritual helps you unfold continuously. Mm. I don't know that I've ever really looked at it that way. That it's this constant unfolding, coming apart, and Mm -hmm. finding yourself through ritual. Right. You know, you know, and what I find in my courses that I that I teach and the people that I take on in transformation work is that your movement toward ritual is a reflection of where you're at in your development. So say for instance, I'll have people that get really angry when they do ritual, right, for the first time ever. Or they'll they'll feel like, um, oh, this is silly saying it out loud and that reflects mm-hmm. to their self worth. Right? So everything can can be an indicator. Sure, How sure. you're feeling when you're moving toward all this is a humongous indicator about where you're at in life and how it scales up with, with your development and everything like that. And that's why it's good to have a practice because every day is going to show you something different. If you can, if you if you have the practice of unfolding, that's another reason why it's good to have community. Because mm-hmm. see, you can step outside and say, I had this experience in ritual the other day, you know. And or if you're just journaling, you know, and you go back and look at it, like, wait a minute, that's self worth. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that's that's because mm-hmm. I don't have what I need, or that's because I don't know who I am. You know, I don't have enough power, right? Because in order to move into power, you have to know self. Mm-hmm. And so it, it goes on and on. Like ritual can expose so much, but it, once again, that's another reason why we need the old ways back because we don't have people teaching what ritual actually is. Like, what is ritual? We we were talking about ritual a lot on the podcast, but we haven't defined it. Yeah. And hardly anybody listening probably even knows what real ritual looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, right. Yeah. So, I, in my world, in my experience, I got to college and felt extremely lost in my spiritual journey. So I decided to church hop. Boy, I went through Baptist, Methodist, Christianity, um, Kabbalah. Kabbalism. (laughs) (laughs) I studied the Kabbalah, Judaism. Um, I looked at all things and they all had very distinct ritual ideas. And I felt so lost in each and every one of them that when I stepped away, I really gave the middle finger towards the whole ritual idea and I hated it. But for me, I desired to meditate every day. I desired to clean my energy and my space every day, but I didn't call it ritualistic. I called it checking in. Mm-hmm. I need right. to check in. I need to get, you know, I play tag with it every day so that I know where it is and how I'm interacting with it and I'm building a relationship. But when I stopped doing that stuff, I felt even more lost right. up and high in the air. So for me, definition of ritual is checking in, playing tag and building a relationship. I'd love to hear what yours is. Yeah. So there is, um, if, if we're going to engage it the way that that I'm talking about so far, where we engage the lineage of humanity, where we bring on board the power and the structure of the birthright of humankind, right? And and when I say birthright, let me define that a little bit. Our birthright is two, it's two structures, right? The, the first one is connection and everything that involves connection. So we're born wanting to connect and we're born, born connecting, 
right? We want to connect to everything around us, our mother, our father, our environment. We want to explore it all. We want to be connected to it all. Um, we probably have a much better sense, even though a lot of us can't remember it, of our guides and connecting to them and connecting to the spirit world, connecting to everything as a child, right? And so um, we're taught out of that, though. We're taught out of connection. Mm. Like, connection is taboo, you know, mm-hmm. in our society. Like, um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a garnered or supported concept. Mm-hmm. And then you move from connection into creation. The only way to properly create is to connect. And so that's our, that's our birthright in a nutshell is connection, then creation. So we connect and then we create, you know, just like um, what we're doing in Modern Mystery Shop, we're always creating, what we're doing here at Loomis Summit, you know, and, and the Center for Love and Light. You're always creating, you're always like opening and expanding and like thinking about what can we pull in as programs probably, what can we pull in as readers? Like you're always giving birth to something, right? It's because you've established your connection. Yeah. Right. You started to move into your birthright. So ritual starts to engage that in a in a depth way for me anyway. Um, I, ritual has a, a few components, but the first one is it has to have desire. Right. We have we have some desire to reach out, some desire to to move through. Can you take a moment and explain desire? Sure. Um, desire is essentially egoism. Right. Like it's the thing that drives consciousness. Actually, we we, we have these lauded concepts that people misinterpreted from the West and brought back from the East. We didn't understand it because we weren't a part of that culture. They take Buddha, for instance, and they, and they say, you know, you're supposed to empty yourself of desire to have happiness. And the problem with that quote is it's taken into out of way out of context. Mm. It's like taking a scripture, one scripture out of the Bible to, to justify like this whole concept of, of living. <laughs> you can't do that. There's a whole, <laughs> there's like paragraphs of oh, stories around do. it. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, well, it leads to an erroneous life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the same way with the whole concept that somebody brought that back from, from Buddha is like, no, he said that in the greater context of this whole thing. And so desire is something that, that drives your consciousness because it drives you forward to want more, want more of what? Right, want you keep on wanting and wanting until you finally empty yourself up of enough desires to where you finally find spirit. Right, and so that's the driving force of consciousness. You don't empty yourself of ego; you fulfill it enough to the point to where you find spirit. And so that's the beauty of how we're made. So we're made beautifully. We're made divinely. And so we we live in such a society of shame and not good enough, and coming from religion that we forget how we're made perfect. We're made in this design to actually allow consciousness to move forward. And egoism is the thing that drives the desire is. So you want something, so you enter into ritual, right? So you start out with want, mm-hmm. then you move into, um, it's, and want always comes from a place of lack. And then you move into um, transmutation. And what I mean by that is you change the lack into fulfillment where you think, okay, this is how... I want reality to actually look. This is how I desire, but this is how it actually looks. And you define that, right? And then you put determination behind that and make it real. So that's desire. That's the three steps of, I mean, that's, that's ritual. That's the three steps of actual ritual, right? So you want, transform, and then determination gets in behind the transformation and, uh, or the new reality and pushes it forward and makes it so, right? So... Ritual engages all of those things. But beyond that, the main thing that ritual does is, is it puts you in touch with a quality of creation at its purest form. So let me define that a little bit better. It can be compassion. It can be freedom. It can be strength. It could be grace. It could be awe. 
but ritual puts you in contact with that quality in its pure form so that you can experience it even just for a moment and break up what I'm talking about as far as the concept of this programming and influence we all have, right? That's, how, that's what ritual does. It stops the programming and influence just for a moment and allows you to see a different version of reality where that quality can come in and engages. Colleen, do you hear all the quality words? They're needs, mm-hmm. needs being met. I thought that was pretty cool. The other thing that was standing out to me is it's all these C words. <laughs> I'm like creating community consciousness, like all these C words. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm going to remember all these. <laughs> Triple C. Brandon, I'm curious to know in, in your life, do you find that ritual is just now part of who you are? Or is it something that you have to make an effort to do? Does that... Makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's something you definitely have to make an effort to do. Okay. You don't find that you've, but do you find that we can get to the point where it's just part of who we are and what we're doing in our flow? Yes. I have studied under masters who have done that, mm-hmm. um, but it takes years of practice for them um, because like I said, the, we, we talked about the programming and the air we breathe and, you know, um, so say for instance, when I was discussing the inner movement of the feminine versus the exter- external movement of mm-hmm. the masculine. We'll go back to that. That just remember, this is just one influence. But the way that that the mother part of us is devalued in society or put underneath the man, as far as value, um, as far as like a, a concept or an energy, not necessarily a, a a sex, but the the way that that's that's devalued. See, that inner voice gets so devalued when we have children. They sense that too. Mm-hmm. So they sense it in the womb. So at the very early age, you start to reject the voice. You start to say, this is devalued. I don't want it. It feels icky, right? It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's on a subconscious level. We aren't even aware that that's happening, right? And so that influence stays with us for a very long time until we unwind it properly. It takes years of practice to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, t- it took my teachers years and years of doing mm-hmm. ritual to the point where they could make it a part of their being and they could just wave their hand and make something happen in reality, you know, and, and have the guiding forces I was talking about earlier and the stages of it all and watch it unfold and, and become a part of the God qualities that are, you know, just wait, that are behind everything that we look at literally, you know, and they could get engage it and pull it forward. Mm-hmm. But that takes time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can eventually. I think now, so. do rituals, I hear you speaking about having, you know, kind of these needs met and understanding the influences for me, that's kind of mental and emotional. Is there a physical quality with rituals? Yes. So ritual engages the entirety of being ritual, um, engages every single aspect of, of movement into the spirit world. So say for instance, the spirit world is not mechanical and everything that we have that's good or wonderful in life is from the ether. It's from a spiritual aspect because like say for instance, quantum science would say this table is 90, 99% space. Mm-hmm. It's not actually real, you know? So why are, why do we have mics on it? Why, what's happening here that, that we actually have this table in front of us that we can utilize. And it's because, um, we, um, we engage reality in such a way that when something spiritual approaches us, we don't see it for what it is. We see it as this table not the space that it is. Mm. Does that make sense? And ritual allows you to transform that whole concept. 
Ritual allows you to see the divine intelligence behind everything. And then includes the physical form and being of who you are and this table or anything around you. Like if we were to do ritual in a very real way here today, you know, the entire room would shift and change in your perception and reality. Right? It'd become almost like a holy place in a way where things started to shine a little bit. Things started to take on a different, a different layer, right? And if you can do, if you can touch that every day, then you change the whole scope of, of who you are. You start to claim your destiny back. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because then you have real power invited into your life where you can see the conceptual change of not only just the inward, but the outer moves too, right? The reality opens up in a whole new fresh way. So that's real ritual. I love that. <laughs> I feel like that's the, the center for love and light. Hmm. The time invested yes. when I arrive and when I leave. You know, my aromatherapies, my saging, my prayer wood, my cedar wood, my words and my time I take and walking to every corner in the space and acknowledging the directions and the support and the filters in place. And, and even when I come in, I, I've seen this space now for three solid years and I still go, hi. You know, like I still get happy that mm -hmm. I'm walking into it. I yeah. feel like that's taken on a whole new shine or sheen in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, the, the, the intention, see, that's, that's a partnership. That's a co-creation for you. You know, you've moved into a relationship with the divine qualities that are in nature already, and you pulled them in through your being. Right? And the beauty of who you are and the way that you move and the way that you treat things sacred and you stir the pot with it all. And it's caused that kind of reality to shift and make happen over there. You made it into essentially like an astral temple that's real. I just got so happy. <laughs> I love that as a tagline. An astral temple that's real. <laughs> Quick, someone, Lumineers, write it down, make a t-shirt, make a bumper sticker. <laughs> the Center for Love and Light. This the Astro Temple. That's real. That's real. <laughs> I love it. I Are love it. These some of the things that you teach in your six week series. You mentioned that before, mm -hmm. and it's called spiritual self mastery. It is, yeah. And you do this at your shop uh -huh. that you have with your wife, Kelly Knight, yeah. the Modern Mystic Shop. And you mm -hmm. can see that Lumineers at the Modern Mystic Shop.com. Yep. You can also find them on Instagram, which I love. I call it Kelly's Instagram. Sorry. That's <laughs> no, fine. That's no, good. She, I love she's all in the charge of it posts. anyway. <laughs> she? Yeah. So it's hers. So that's where you hold the class. Mm -hmm. And um, do you go over some of this? Yeah, I go over it in depth. So this, we actually start to make the practice of it. So we're talking about it in concept here, right? But what is ritual that does everything that I talk about actually look like, you know, in a very direct way, you know, on it? Um, so I, I go into it in, uh, in practice and allow people to have the process around it um, and walk them through it. I also see them one-on-one -on -one for six weeks every week I meet with, with people because it always brings up new stuff every single week because you have to move through your being real quick once you really start to encounter these God qualities because they're such a far cry from, who, from our experience of self. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we go through trauma. We haven't had spiritual practices in our entire life that unwind the being. None of us hardly any study you know, or experience psychology in a very real way that unwinds the being or unwinds the neurology. And so um, it's, it's rare to find something that combines it all in a way that, that really jettisons the being, and that's what I do. And so it, 
I have to like really um, coach and move people through it in a very one-on-one and, and hand-holding way, you know, and guided way because it, it's such a, a transformational, you know, thing that happens. And so, yeah, it happens that we, we meet one-on-one at Modern Mystic Shop every week and then we have four, maybe five classes, group classes that we meet during the six-week period. Um, and it's, uh, once you learn the experience of it, then it becomes something that you want to keep on doing. And so we oftentimes have people re-sign up every six weeks um, at this point and everything. So this, yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask if someone has to be present physically with you to do this work or would someone be able to do it remotely? Well, I haven't really experimented with a remote thing. I would, the, it would be an experiment to see if someone Mm -hmm. could because, and so here's, here's my, and it isn't that, that I, so let me explain my concept of coaching and teaching, and then we can go from there. Uh, my concept of coaching and teaching isn't about what a person knows. I think that's kind of BS. Mm-hmm. Um, the mind is, is influenced and trained anyway. Um, I think it's more about the work that the person has done on their being so that they can have an aura or a, a field that encompasses another human being enough to pull them forward in their mm-hmm. life, right? It's great that you know all this, but what can you actually do to affect change in my life? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I pragmatically, you know, pull, come forward as a human being with you, you know? Um, and so, so that's how I approach this in setting one-on-one and being in the classes. I'm able to, to really do enough work on myself with my teachers because, see, <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm transforming other people, mm-hmm. I'm transforming too, oh, absolutely. right? I'm constantly, like, in the game. You right? do I'm, the work. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't really bring other people forward, yes. right? And so I have teachers that are essentially kicking my ass along the way, mm-hmm. and so I'm bringing them forward too. And yeah. so, um, so in that, I'm, I'm involving them in that field. I'm involving, involving them in my field of evolution, right? And so I don't know. I, 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 essentially, I, I could experiment with doing that remotely, and I know that energy really doesn't have like a boundary or something like that. You can send it to people, but the concept of the field is a little different than just sending energy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yep. And, and really pulling people forward. That's the reason why people go see um, these great speakers like Tony Robbins, for instance. It isn't all the knowledge he's giving them. Mm-hmm. Like he, They are going to see him because he can pull them forward in a way that transforms their lives from a spiritual aspect. It's his field. It's it's what he's giving off. And all those fields in the audience, right. too. Yes. It's like everybody's right. field. Is just like, yeah. Everybody yeah. that sat under him for a while, all mm-hmm. those fields are starting to glow and, and, and get bigger. And so everyone together is jettisoning themselves. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I just want to make sure if someone was to sign up remotely that they'd have the same experience as someone that's in person. And so I haven't really experimented with that yet. So I don't know. Got it. But I like the idea that you're doing it individually and then you're having groups. Yeah. So how big are your groups? How many people do you take in at once? This time around, I took in nine. It, it, that's, that's pushing my boundaries for it. But I, I believe I could continue to take on nine. It's something that I could do. Um, so nine is probably the limit. That is um, a wonderful, small, intimate experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I prefer like smaller, and then tighter have, classes. They have each other for support. Yes. That's exactly you, what it is. Which yeah. I'm sure you're seeing connections mm-hmm. being made oh, yeah. that way. That was the whole point as part of the plan. You almost have to have it. Um, you know, Someone will come in and feel, and, well, I mean, when you're doing the things that I'm asking people to do, like I'm asking people to say chants out loud and God names out loud and imagine things in their home with, with their spouses there, with their children there, with, you know, and different things like that. 
and it's the first time they've ever done anything like this, right? And then they're having all these feelings come up on top of that. It's starting to challenge their programming. It's challenging them as a being, unwinding them, you know, and all these things are happening. And so you almost have to have a group aspect. Like mm-hmm. I said, the village concept. Yeah. You almost have to have community for this because no one else is going to know what you're going through except me. And I'm not, you know, I'm just one guy. Like mm-hmm. we, we need a community of people who says, you know what? I had this experience. The other person learns from it. The other person comes in and says, whoa, I had that experience too. Or I had, or I never thought of it that mm-hmm. way. Or, you know, it jettisons everybody else's movement always. So. Y- in what you just said, it brought up another question for me. When you're teaching this kind of spiritual self-mastery course and you're going over rituals, is it a ritual that you have that that has already been designed and you say, this is the one we're going to try on, this is the one that you use? Or is it that when you're, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call him a student, <laughs> comes in, do you say, okay, let's work on this, you build it, and these are the parts that need to be present, but those parts can look at however you need them, and then you create them, or is it a bit of both? It's, um, it's always pre-designed, usually, and it's, it's not something that, um, it, is, it is customized for each individual. So say, for instance, um, I will have most of the group work on one ritual so that we can have like a settling. Does that make sense? Almost like a, um, a settling of the experience. Because okay. the one ritual that I give out jettisons everybody. Because no one's ever really gotten in contact with these kind of qualities before. You right. know, and removed the veil from the physical to the spiritual and started to see things different and sense energy in the room in a way that they co-created with the divine. Like, that's that's an amazing moment when you actually do it in a very real way. And so, and it brings up, once again, it brings up all your stuff, all your programming, mm-hmm. because it's such a contrast between it. But while you're in it in the moment, like, it's crazy. Like, it's amazing. And so... And so in all of that, what, what happens is you have to have almost like a, because there's group settings, because we move as a group, you have to have like a, a, a ritual that, that kind of is the standard, yeah. right? And then you can kind of like move it around for people. And then about midway through, after people have gotten used to like that level the of God standard, quality, yeah. right? Then I move it up and I deepen everything by, by um, throwing away that ritual and replacing it with one that is more advanced, hmm. right? And then jettisoning them and dropping them deeper. So, so by any chance, are you going to talk about this or anything <laughs> around this topic at Luma Summit? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you share like maybe two or three sentences and tease us about what you're going to be talking about? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so. I want to know more. <laughs> Here's the teaser, everybody. So, <laughs> Get uh, ready. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to define at Luma Summit is um, uh, essentially what it means to be a human being, right? I'm going to go through, I haven't even gone through what the programming looks like and, and all that stuff and how egoism drives us and what that, what that movement looks like and how, and there's actually a map for who we are as a human being to move through spirituality and encounter these God forms, you know, like it's actually a part of, of a divine intelligence. And I'll be discussing that. And then I'll be discussing, um, what it looks like to actually get in contact with the qualities. You know, what does that practice actually look like? What, what happens when you do that? And how can I actually have a blueprint for this and, mm-hmm. and touching it and moving forward and actually reaching it, you know, cause it's more than just doing breathing exercises or yoga or whatever it may be. Although I have to say there are some forms of yoga that are really cool, like Kundalini yoga and Ashtanga, you know, like those two kind of move you through your system and your neurology pretty well, but they're still missing ritual. Like ritual still has to be a 
part of the thing mm-hmm. that, that we do because it's so embedded in who we are. And it's one of the ways you, you unwind the being f- the real way because uh, it gives you an experience of, of Godhood. So anyway, I'll be going into that in, in Luma's Summit. That's awesome. what I'll be talking nice. about. Yeah. <laughs> so I had one question for you, Brandon, um, as we wrap up, and that is, can you share a story of transformation from one of your students? Because you get to watch these I know. transformations God, take place, and you get to watch these transformations take place in six weeks that's like powerful so is there one that really sticks out to you or that you can share of of what really happened in these six weeks to summer that's that's crazy because there's so much movement (laughs) among everyone like everyone has major movements during the Mm -hmm. six weeks and i'm not trying to bring i don't care about you know what what people buy for me or what they don't sure sure I, i'm just saying like this really like works yes. i found um like the, a, you know we can have those before and after snapshots mm-hmm, yeah. right <laughs> um well i mean i can take uh i i don't have any favorites because they all are so beautiful in the unfolding mm-hmm. but one of the cool ones is um uh one of the students that came in was a complete skeptic didn't really understand anything and about, signed up for your six yeah, week signed course. Up for my six week course because she heard me speak in the in the you know she got to know me and, and sure. heard, heard me speak um yeah. she actually went to a retreat that kelly did in costa rica and i got to speak there to okay. the group and um talk about what this kind of looks like what we're talking mm-hmm. about today and ritual and, and you know how how magic works and what what it all looks like mm-hmm. And moving your reality with it. And she was kind of transfixed. And so she's like, you know, that's super cool, you know. Um, and um, and I was just thinking about it then, opening up this program for the first time. And so she she signed up. And um, she came in a complete skeptic. Didn't really know how she was going to engage any part of herself at all or her spirituality. Um, she's an atheist. She really didn't, you know, under like she viewed life strictly through science. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I gave her the things to do and, um, she did them and completely took her a, a 180. Like it was an, it was an amazing switch because she got to experience like the real side of spirit mm-hmm. and the God qualities. Right. And that's what every ritual will do that for anybody. I don't care who you are. If you commit to it, it will open it up, you mm-hmm. know, if you do it properly. And so, um, she, um, she completely found herself, you know, and found her connection to spirit in such a way that, um, you know, like it, 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 um, it brought in her sense of self and her sense of identity and, um, got her in contact with her, with who she, she really is like in her essence, you know, um, at least just a little window of it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You don't, you don't fully get in contact. I mean, if you, if yeah. you really merge your essence, you'd become Buddha or, or mm-hmm. you know, Jesus or whatever it may be. You become a consciousness, you know, <laughs> But as she got a glimpse of it and was able to find her compass and she's able to find her definition of spirit even though, you know, she came in completely science-based and it completely overwhelmed her. Like, mm-hmm. she, she now, like, has moments and times with, with spirit in, in ritual where, you know, she's in tears or she's, mm-hmm. you know, moving through her life and really connecting in a heartfelt, beautiful way. Like, she's finding her birthright, that area of connection I was talking about. That's beautiful. And she's creating from it. You know, so her life is really opening up that way too. Physical reality is is reflecting that. So, oh, Lumineers, if you're listening to Brandon and you're like, that resonates with me, (laughs) 
If you're local, show up for some of the free Sunday school classes that yeah. Modern Mystic Shop puts on. Brandon often teaches them, sometimes twice a month, which is incredible. So you can come in for free and <laughs> soak up this knowledge. Or if you feel like you want to go down that deeper path of understanding, the spiritual self-mastery, you can connect with Brandon. You can find him through the contact page and the events page on modernmysticshop.com. So as we're wrapping up here, I would love to ask, and this is the one like, hey, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm just going to call you out right now. Sure. Is there something that you would like to leave, some wisdom, drop of knowledge, <laughs> anything of that to our Lumineers who are listening to you now? Um, I would encourage everyone to not settle in life for anything less than finding the beauty, the grace, the joy of who you really are, because that can be done. So don't give up and make it your number one mission. Make it your number one priority. Value the inner voice so much that everything else takes a back seat and is guided by it, not the other way around, not your security around money, not your your definition of what your reality looks like and all the pain and the suffering you've been through, the story that's engaged in that, allow your priority to be unwinding the self and finding the inner voice and let that be the vision for your life, not the pressure. Amen. Oh, I'm going to talk So be it. <laughs> I have tears in my eyes. Lumineers, thank you so much for being here. Brandon, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Yeah. It's so wonderful. lovely being here. Yeah, I, I've had such so a much pleasure fun, to have you. And I love everyone here so much. Yeah. I love you guys. Connecting Aww. is the best thing ever. We love you too. Yeah. I can't wait for Luma Summit. I know, me too. I so <laughs> hope to create more of this. Yeah. Having you here, more talks. Just I'd love it. Yeah, you're it's great. Incredible. Thank you. Lumineers, thank you for lending us your ear, your time, and remember, <laughs> God, you, you what? You know what's coming? Let me it's see. Incredible. I think I forgot. You forgot. <laughs> Let me remind you. Just remember this. It's not woo-woo. It's, it's true, true. <laughs> Bye, Lumineers. Okay.